Hello, and welcome to the Wheel of Time Rewind Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hello. So we're back at you here with episode three, and today we're going to be continuing on our dissection of where we are at the start of the series, introducing you to different characters that are in the two rivers at the start of the series here, so that way we can get you prepared to know what to expect for when the series launches in November. But before we do that, we have a little bit of a house, some housekeeping to, to do here with some news on the Wheel of Time Rewind front. So as you know, we have a Twitter and an Instagram account for the podcast here, and that is at W-O-T Rewind. But now we also have an email address in case you don't want to get onto social media and save yourself some pain <laughs> there. So our email address is wheelofTimerewind at gmail.com. And you can thank all these awesome tech upgrades and all these great connections to Mike here. He's running the he's running the editing, he's doing all the tech side of stuff. I'm doing the talking right now. Um, so, Mike, before we get into our episode here, why don't you tell us about what you shared with me the other day? Obviously, there's a ton of really cool Wheel of Time content out there right now. Everyone's talking about it because the trailers have dropped and we're getting so close to the show. Um, and uh, on YouTube, I just stumbled across this Lego fan-made trailer for the Wheel of Time. And I, <laughs> I sent it to Dylan and it was just... It was so much fun just watching it. I mean, it wasn't like the most advanced thing ever, but it was just, it was such a fun, uh, fun watch. No, like you said, it's definitely fan made, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It was fully enjoyable. Like you couldn't help but watch this Lego trailer for the Wheel of Time uh, TV show and not laugh or smile. Um, And so we highly encourage you to go out and give this trailer a watch. It was done on YouTube. Uh, The account was, is called Wheel Talk. And the person that runs it, their name is Brian, uh, from my understanding, from reading the comments and the description of the account. And they can, you can find them on Instagram as well as Recapasidae. That's R-E-C-A-P-P-A-S-E-D-A-I. So, moving on to the topic at hand today, uh, we covered the boys and the girls of the Two Rivers in our last episode. And today, we're going to talk about some of the other characters that we'll be seeing at the start of this series. So, I think we should start this off right at the top with our main mistress of magic, Moraine. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about Moraine? Okay, so Moraine is, as Dylan said, and I said I. Um... (laughs) And she is um, basically a witch or, you know, this world's magic users like we've talked about before. And she is played by uh, Rosamund Pike. And you might have seen her in some other films. I know she was in um, a 007 movie, Gone Girl, and a couple other things. But she's a pretty familiar face. I was actually very surprised when I looked her up a little bit. I was like, oh, man, I've seen her so many places. (laughs) but she's in the book she's described as a very short um she's shorter she's like five foot two or so 
and um, but she's always calm and has this very cool, like icy coolness to her, and that's and I thought uh, Rosamond did a really nice job of that. Just you know, from the trailer. Yeah, like Mike said in the in the books, uh, Moraine is described as being quite short, but she's always has like, despite being a smaller person, always has like this air of authority around her and can like look at you and you know she's in control of the situation. Um, she also, like Mike said, has that Aes Sedai calm that is stereotypical of all of the women that use the one power. Um, they have a bit of a reputation that we'll get into in a later episode. Um, but when you're talking about Moraine, she is coming in as an outsider from of the two rivers. She's not from the area and nobody at the start of the series in the two rivers knows that she is an Aes Sedai um, until she is uh, revealed and when she is in the two rivers there you'll kind of like see her interacting with the rest of the cast that we've talked about so far and just kind of getting integrated into that two rivers custom at the start of the series and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh moraine out of all the characters we're talking today on screen because she is pretty sweet yeah, she is really cool. And I I don't know if you noticed this, but, um, and this is to everyone listening too, is the actress, like in the trailer, you'll notice her face kind of has, it's almost like a smoothness to it. And it's because in the books, I said I are described of having this ageless look. Right. Like you couldn't identify how old they were. And so I thought they that was a nice touch that they really did try to do something. It it almost feels a little supernatural, um, but that's okay in my right because it's meant to have like this supernatural beauty appearance to it. Because like in the books, mm-hmm. although Moraine is much older than the other characters we've talked about so far, she is described as looking as young as Nynaeve, and mm-hmm. Nynaeve is supposed to be like. 18 to 20 or something like that in the books at the start of the series and uh yeah moraine is definitely older than that but i think that they did a nice job with that sort of i said i look as well so moving on to our next character if we talked about moraine we can't talk about moraine without talking about lan so mike give us a lowdown on lan man okay so lan man dragoran um, <laughs> he is a, he's from the Borderlands. And so in the world we're talking about in this earth, um, because it is described as earth in, um, the first book, at least, <laughs> um, the top of the continent, there is, it's a bridge or there's a border between basically where civilization is and then where all the forces of the dark are. And the Borderlands are kind of like the wall between. If you've watched Game of Thrones, you could think about the wall, where the watch is. And that's kind of like what the Borderlands are. And um, you're going to see a lot of parallels between um, the Wheel of Time series and Game of Thrones series. Actually, both Robert Jordan and George R. R. Martin were uh, very mm-hmm. good friends. And they sort of like did nods to each other in their... Um, in their books but Wheel of Time did come out I was just gonna say that yeah 
<laughs> before the Game of Thrones series. Now, as I, as I was saying, Lan is a, from the Borderlands, so he's used to fighting uh, Trollocs and some of these forces of evil, and he is Moraine's warder. And we're, we're going to talk more about warders and, like, the process of becoming a warder and kind of their abilities and stuff. But Lan is a very seasoned fighter. He's very good with a blade and um, he's bonded to Moraine through the use of the one power or through their magic. And so he accompanies her wherever she goes. Right. And we mentioned in, I think episode one, even that uh, a warder is pretty much like the bodyguard of the Aes Sedai. And so that's a good way to describe Lan. He's described as having like cat-like reflexes and being very fast and stealthy and sneaky throughout the series as well. Just like demonstrating the ability to not just be proficient in battle, but being proficient in um, spying and keeping a watch and everything. And he has his cloak that I'm actually quite interested to see how they do this in the in the series here. Because because uh, warders have what's called a warder's cloak, and this cloak is basically like almost an illusion where the wearer of the cloak, wherever the cloak is kind of hanging down, it almost renders them invisible. But what it's really doing is kind of like shifting and mirroring what's around them. So think almost like in Harry Potter, the invisible cloak of invisibility. That's kind of like what Lan has here, because it's mentioned several times in uh, the first book, Eye of the World, that like Lan almost looks like a floating head on top of nothing, <laughs> riding a horse sometimes. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, we had mentioned previously that in the books, Lan is described as being a bit more muscle-bound, um, despite being his being very quick, and like that's the contrast that it talks about with him is like he's much faster than he looks however in the series here for amazon uh, it's looking like lan is much more slight but still pretty solid and so he is going to be played by the actor daniel henny and mm. i'm loving the look of him so far i am very excited to see lan out there with moraine and the rest of the group here and this is actually a bit of a contentious topic for some in some of the wheel of time uh, forums and facebook groups and such that i've seen is that they <laughs> they don't necessarily agree with the look of land but i say we wait until we see how it plays out on screen. exactly exactly i'm just excited still uh, i did want to yeah. share one of my favorite oh sorry i did want to share one of my favorite quotes from land um and so this kind of sums up his character and sort of the borderlands in general their view on the world and so this is death is lighter than a feather duty heavier than a mountain and that's one that we kind of see throughout the book series continue to be brought up and just kind of their mentality in the borderlands that <laughs> well when you're living on the edge of destruction and fighting for like your life every single day you pretty much know you're going to die it's just a matter of how you die and did you do your duty and did you protect everyone you could before you did meet your end now the one thing i will say like about the borderlands 
um, when you compare them to the wall. In Game of Thrones, living at the wall and being part of the Night's Watch is a punishment, uh, but it can be chosen as well. When you live in the Borderlands, that's just, like, your country. That's where you were born into. Like, you're not going to be, like, as a punishment, sent to the Borderlands to fight in the Blight and die. Um, but what you will be doing as a Borderlander is being that sentry, that first responder, basically, and keeping the rest of the continent safe, whether they know it and acknowledge it or not. Um, so that's kind of where the parallels of the wall and being a borderlander differ a little bit. And the land beyond the borderlands, why it's called the borderlands, is because it borders the blight, which is this land that's been corrupted by the dark one, um, where all sorts of nastiness can be found. So moving on, uh, we covered Moraine and Lan already, so let's go to the next person on our character sheet here. The Gleeman, Tom Merlin. Go ahead, Mike. What do we got for Mr. Marilyn? Like last week, it was all about the Edmonds Fielders, the people who were living there. And this episode's all about the Outlanders, the people who came visit. So Tom Marilyn, um, he is a gleeman who has come to the Two Rivers to, well, <laughs> you could say spread glee, yes, I guess. Perform. But really, uh, <laughs> yeah, to perform. Um, so gleeman in this universe um, really do a little bit of everything. They juggle, they, they play instruments, they tell stories. And that's one of the big things um, with Tom's character and such a cool thing that you kind of get in the books is that he does tell these different stories and you get some more of the history of the world yeah. through them. He's, he's an older man, um, very gnarled. He's got these thick white mustaches in the book. Um, his hair is all white and um, he's a very skilled gleeman yes he's a very skilled gleeman and just to like expand on what mike said farther you know they're kind of like a one-man show where they play instruments and sing like a bard they will tumble and juggle and do acrobatics like a circus performer uh they will tell stories and like mike said kind of give you more of a history of the world or like retell famous adventures that may have happened and everything now, the one thing I want to talk about with Tom is you mentioned his age. And the actor that they have playing Tom Marilyn is <laughs> Alexandre Willemay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, now you got me butchering Not names. Um, so anyways, okay. uh, the actor they have playing Tom is quite a bit younger than what I was expecting when I was picturing him. What about you, Mike? Yeah. I, yeah, I was picturing, like, Tom Selleck or that actor um oh, i forget his name but he's like white hair and he's like kind of that usually that cowboy and he has like the big thick yeah mustache. i know exactly who you're talking uh, about i can't remember his name <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah i was like that's who i pictured a lot when i thought about this yeah the actor they have playing tom actually seems much younger than what he's described as in the books like he's still gonna be i think looking like he's in his 40s or so or maybe even early 50s but he does not have, like, that grandfatherly look that, like, Tom is described as, at least from his headshots <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Um, and, like Mike mentioned, the mustache that Tom Marilyn has, that's a big part of his character in the book. Cause he's always playing with his mustaches. He's always stroking his mustaches. And, like, he's very expressive in the book with his hair. 
like his facial hair and his eyebrows and mustache. And so I'm just really interested to see like how this goes for uh, for Tom on screen here. Now, talking about Gleeman as well, we mentioned how warders have a special cloak. Gleeman also have a special cloak. Uh, it's kind of like a cloak of many colors, where it's like a patchwork quilt-looking type of thing is how I always pictured it, where it's all different colors and patterns of the rainbow, and very nonsensical. And like um, Gleeman, I always kind of pictured them almost as like being so bright and outrageous that you have to stare at them because of how they look. Yeah, and that's kind of part of their whole MO. Um, those cloaks usually have like bags sewn in to co- carry some of their mm-hmm. stuff. They usually have big pockets where they hide, you know, the balls and some of the other things that they travel with. And they make their living by performing. So by wearing these things, it sort of tells everyone else, oh, it's a gleeman. And if he goes into like an inn or something, everyone knows that, oh, this inn has a gleeman. So it's kind of, you know, that advertisement. I did want to add on, uh, Dylan, that I think the reason they went with a younger actor is for possibly a um, more fleshed out love story. I would say that, and also what I'm thinking as well is just the length of this series and what the potential of this series Mm. could be. Whereas, like, Tom is described as being more aged in the books, if they got an older actor to play Tom with how many years I'm picturing this series being on the air for, I think that mm-hmm. it could easily be on the air for at least, like, eight to ten seasons. Um, you could always risk having an actor pass away um, in the middle of the series and having to recast or, or just cut that character out. But I think you're right. I think a love story is probably in the cards for, for our friend Tom here. Moving on... To the next character that we're going to talk about today with our trend of Emmonsfield outsiders, we have the peddler Pod and Fane. So, Mike, why don't you talk about Pod and Fane and peddlers in general here? Okay, so peddlers, especially for the two rivers, are very important um, because they bring out outside materials and um, allow people to buy things that they can't really make since the two rivers is such a small like farming different farming communities, you know, things like buttons, different types of cloth, um, books, that's a big Mm -hmm. one. Um, And the big thing like peddlers bring in is information. Since these areas are so secluded from the rest of the world, when they come, they always bring information. And so you have to imagine like the Two Rivers area, Edmonds Field, is so secluded that they're only getting outside information like once a year, twice a year. Now, Pat and Fane is, um, like just talked about, a peddler. And he has come to the Two Rivers year after year for quite some time. He's described as being very pale, skinny, um, not a very attractive man, I'd say. Uh, (laughs) I feel bad now. (laughs) I know, I know, but, you know, gotta be honest with you guys. Anyway, uh, but when he comes to the Two Rivers, he's full of self-importance because he, you know, he has all this information. He loves the attention right. and uh, yeah, he just happens to be there. He's another outlander, um, even though they recognize him pretty well, um, who happens to show up during this bell time event. Right. And like Mike mentioned that <laughs> he's kind of like, 
very self-important because he is like the source of news and information for the people within the Two Rivers in Emmonsfield uh, because there's no people that regularly come to the Two Rivers area other than peddlers. Like in the books, it, when it, they mentioned that Tom was going to be there, the, the Gleeman, it's this huge ordeal because Gleeman haven't come to the Two Rivers in forever. And then similarly, when Pod and Fane is coming for this Beltine festival, uh, the rumor is that he's going to be bringing fireworks with him, which haven't been seen in the Two Rivers for a decade or more. So again, like picture this very isolated area and Pod and Fane and being a peddler coming in. Everybody wants his stories, his news, his goods. Like, everyone in the town, when Pot and Fane rolls in, comes pouring in and wanting to buy things from him. And so that kind of gives him that air of self-importance. Now, Mike said he is, like, described as being a very thin, very unattractive, weaselly man. And I am very sorry, but Johan Myers, <laughs> the guy that had playing Pot and Fane... I saw him, and I was like, that is a great actor choice for Pot and Fane. <laughs> um, really nothing is. against Mr. Myers and uh, his looks. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Um, but he has a great look for what you would picture for Pot and Fane. Um, the one thing like I would mention is, like, with all of these casting choices that we are seeing for the Wheel of Time series here. What I have seen from the showrunners and like the directors is that while they would like to get actors and actresses who resemble these characters as they're perfectly described in the books, the reality is that you're never going to find like perfect actresses for every single role. And so what they focused more on was finding actors and actresses that they felt embodied the spirit, embodied the personality of these different characters we're seeing here. Now, Pot and Fane, the Johan Myers, the actor they have playing him, I think that he looks quite good for his role. So I am excited to see to see him, excited for this series in general, and definitely looking forward to getting this on my screen the same night that it launches <laughs> <laughs> probably gonna have to watch it a couple of times to take notes on the other time well, yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll watch it the first time just enjoy everything and then rewind mm -hmm. it play it again and then maybe take some notes <laughs> oh i like what you did there <laughs> all right mike so before we get on out of here let's talk about where we are in the series here because I think we had mentioned previously that both of us were going to be rereading this series to get prepped, get everything fresh in our minds for the launch of the Amazon series in November. So we still have over a month until that series comes out. But where are you at in the series right now? Okay, so I've been doing, after uh, some advice from you, I've been doing a reread of the first book. I've been going between listening with my headphones uh, on Audible, which has helped so much with pronunciation, <laughs> and um, reading uh, the first book that I have. So like at night when I'm in bed, I'll just pick up where I left off in the audio audiobook and then read, and I try to fin 
finish at a chapter and then pick up on the audiobook at that chapter the next day. Right now, I, <laughs> I'm actually towards the last quarter of a book or so. Um, Matt and Rand um, just got to... Well, I'm not going to be spoiling too much and... here, Mike. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, they got to okay, a city. Okay, got to a city, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. What about you? I know you've been rereading the series. Yeah, so like Mike mentioned, <laughs> Audible and audiobooks in general are the way to go. For me, at least, for this series. And that's how I read it my first time around, and I'm just, like, powering through right now. Because, like, I crunched out the first book, Eye of the World, within, like, a week and a half. <laughs> so Crazy. I, yeah, I got that all done. So I am all read up on the book one, Eye of the World. Um, but then I had the, dis- the discussion with you, Mike, about where to go next. Uh, should I go on to book two for The Great Hunt? Should I go on into the prequel book, New Spring? And what I ended up deciding on doing is going with the prequel book and New Spring. And my, my rationale for doing that was that although it doesn't really matter what order I read the books in, I think prepping for the Amazon series here, reading that prequel book is a good next step because of what will probably be covered in the book or sorry in uh, the first season of the show here where I'm kind of anticipating maybe a little flashback sequence for in, in season one here of some events that may have happened in um, New Spring however they may wait to do like a flashback sequence if they ever do it at all until a later season uh, because they are only having eight episodes in season one here. And so that really got me thinking about like where they're going to go with season one here and what events they're going to um, stop at within the eye of the world. Because the rumor is, is that they're going to include some events from season two and three as well, which... I'm quite interested to see what they do and I'm kind of I'm have some good guesses as to what they're doing based on the trailer for season one um, but well some interesting things that I've read recently um, as I've been going through and compiling a lot of different information taking it all in uh, is that Robert Jordan um, the first three books he he wrote, he wrote each one to be like the last book in the mm. series um, because he wasn't sure like if it was going to be popular like you know he didn't know if he was going to end up continuing on with the series after that and so he wrote the first book and it sort of had like a very final type ending um, even though there was still room right. for more but like it could have been an ending and the same thing with the second and third and so I'm one I'm interested to see if they that's kind of the approach they take and they sort of use sort of stay within those first three uh books for these three (laughs) seasons i guess that would be kind of smart because they have already committed to three seasons of this show um but again we are wheel of time fans so we're hopeful that they'll have a more full interpretation of the series onto the screen here and have it be um, be around for a decade or more 
Um, however, the reality is, is that there is a greater chance than not that that will not happen, uh, just based on so many different factors. But I am definitely excited about it still, and I am still bristling with anticipation for November to get here, for <laughs> for the series to actually kick off and start. And you and I, Mike, are going to have a very busy <laughs> couple of days after those first three episodes <laughs> drop, because... Absolutely. We are going to be watching and rewatching and watching and rewatching again mm-hmm. <laughs> all of those episodes and having to jump on here and get these out to to everybody. But I am very excited to do that. <laughs> Me too. All right, I think that's kind of our episode on Outlanders, and we had our kind of a nice check in there with our book reading. Um, yeah. So if anyone wants to reach out to us they can find us at on twitter and instagram at wot rewind and you can always send an email questions comments feedback anything would be welcome and that's wheel of time rewind at gmail.com all right so with that said we hope to see you guys next time and we'll see you at the next turning of the wheel goodbye bye